Welcome to the Other Border Wall podcast. We are a multicultural group of artists in conversation as part of our ongoing creative resistance to borders. Here we speak of the bridges and walls we encounter. We are Tarane Adia, Leah Patgorski, and Jennifer Nagel Myers. For this episode, we will speak with Janelle Young, a Pittsburgh native, painter, muralist, and community leader. Her work has been recognized locally and internationally, from New York City to Sydney, Australia. But people in Pittsburgh might be most familiar with the super cool street mural she created downtown on Fort Duquesne Boulevard for the Three Rivers Arts Festival, or her work on Pittsburgh's first art basketball court titled The Home Court Advantage Project. We were glad Janelle found the time to reflect with us about her inspiring path, her art practice, and what she sees on the horizon. So I guess my first question is, uh, what is your first artistic or art memory? Oh, that's a great question. There are a couple of memories that come to mind as my first art memory, but I don't know in what order they actually occurred in real life. <laughs> um, I remember... There was a moment when I was really young, probably maybe like four or five years old, where I had a piece of paper and I had a paintbrush, but I'm not sure that I actually had paint, but whatever I spilled onto the sheet of paper, I was just moving the brush around and actually made it look like something. And it felt very much like watercolor, which I didn't know at the time, but that's pretty much what it was. And I created something out of it. And I thought that was really cool. I have a lot of memories of just like sketching and drawing. I did that a lot. I started off as really a, a sketcher and I used to just sketch anything like from characters that I made up in my mind. Um, you know, like I named them and like would draw them over and over again in my sketchbook when I was little. I was also like really obsessed with like really colorful folders and notebooks and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. So I think that was kind of an introduction to art before I really understood what it was. And a lot of still life drawings, like just here's a thing. My mom used to put stuff on the table in front of me and just be like, draw this, draw this, draw this. <laughs> I did a lot of that. Um, so I think those were some of my first art memories. And I would probably say that that, that painting one was probably when I was the youngest. So it might've, it might've come first. Cause I just remember so little about it. Mm -hmm. And when, when did you come to the realization that the art requires an artist and that you wanted to be an artist? I think other people realized it before I really took advantage of it. My kindergarten teacher saw something that she thought my, my parents should be paying attention to. And then uh, my art teacher right after that, like maybe third grade, second grade, third grade, she really took me under her wing and was like, okay, I'm gonna teach you some kind of advanced techniques for that age. Like I'm gonna teach you how to shade and I'm gonna teach you, you know, about like light source and shadow and like those kinds of things. But I mean, for me, it was just, I don't know that I was like, okay, I'm going to be an artist. It was like, it, it was just the creation of it that I thought was cool and I was good at it. <laughs> but looking back now, my mom was one of those parents who like kept everything. Like she has like a folder of stuff from when I was a child, right? And we've been finding lately different um, like assignments that I would do or like little booklets that I would fill out and stuff like that, you know, just activities you would do at school or at the summer program. And from the age of like seven, eight, nine, I, in every single one of those, I was writing like, I want to be an artist. Like when I grow up, that's what I want to be. And still to even know that I was thinking that, but didn't really like feel like this is the what I planned for myself at this age. Like I don't think that was really the case. <laughs> so I I don't think I really had that thought until, oh man, it's really hard to say, like maybe not until high school, but mm -hmm. I went through, like I went to an art school for sixth through eighth grade. So I was very serious about it, but I didn't know how it would show up in my life later as a career mm -hmm. anyway. Like at that point I knew I was 
an artist, but I wasn't claiming it as like a profession. So Janelle, I was wondering if when you were a kid, did you paint or chalk on the street? Oh like- my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> I chalked my life away. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved, I loved chalk. I loved colored pencils. I didn't start painting until I was like in like seventh grade. Before that, I was just drawing all the time. So I had all the fancy pencils, you know, you you, you open up the, the pencil kit that has like 24 different options. Um, and uh, I did charcoal too for a while. I got into pastels a little bit. But yeah, I was drawing on everything. And my family will tell you that like, yeah, I was the kid like drawing on people's walls and things like that in their house. <laughs> so I was I was definitely drawing on everything. And so could you talk a little bit about the trajectory from high school, Penn State, then you worked in New York, you weren't doing art, but like, so talk a little bit about, about the, the path. Yeah, I love letting people know like the path is not linear at all, right? In high school, I, I did an intensive art program. I did the IB program at Shenley under Ms. Karen Price. And the program was very intensive for those two years. Um, And that's when I really took like the research part of art seriously and like um, really putting like theory and history to practice. And then after that, it was definitely a conversation in my house that like I was not going to be going to art school for college. So I needed to figure out something else. And I thought, you know, what what other areas could I choose to go into that I would still be able to be creative and like express myself in that way? And I thought maybe like marketing, advertising would be a good option. So I started looking at business schools and uh, long story short, I didn't want to stay in state like whatsoever, but I got a full academic ride to Penn State and I was like, you know what, fine. I visited their business school and I was like, you know what, we're just going to do this. We're going to make it work. Um, and it was actually probably the best decision that I made. I I tell people in retrospect, like, I don't think I could be the artist I am now if I didn't go to Penn State and like not have student loans. So um, that was a really important decision for me. I did dabble in like advertising, but I was a marketing and international studies major. I wasn't a super fan of like using Photoshop and stuff like that. So, and that's kind of the route that the advertising folks wanted you to take. And I was kind of like, okay, this isn't really the lane. Like I really enjoyed coming up with like ideas, creative ideas, creative direction, stuff like that. But the other kind of more technical side of it, I wasn't super thrilled about. And so when I graduated from Penn State, um, I was looking at kind of like marketing jobs. And for whatever reason, everybody thought if you're a marketing major, you want to be in sales. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Absolutely not. This is not what I want to do. Um, And then I ended up speaking to someone who had come to do a presentation at Penn State in one of my business classes. And he talked about the PR, the public relations firm that he worked for. And they had this program to basically groom like new graduates, what have you, and like send them out into the real world. And I was like, that that sounds pretty interesting. But it was in New York. And I was like one of those rare people who had no desire to live in New York City. I was like, yeah, been there many times to shop. It's great. Don't want to live there. But as the universe would have it, (laughs) I ended up getting that um, internship and it was four months. And then I got hired full time there. And um, my job was actually to be a digital strategist um, in their healthcare division within the PR agency. And so it was a lot of what I liked, which was like that creative direction. Like I was working directly with uh, graphic designers, web developers, clients, their uh, their patients, like working with people to make really cool meaningful campaigns that were actually like impacting people's lives. But um, after maybe, I would say maybe like three years in, I was like really itching to like do the more creative stuff. Like I'm like, yeah, like I'm just, you know, rubbing elbows with the the graphic designers. Like, yeah, like let's do more stuff together. But like, I want to be more involved on the creative side because we had an in-house 
creative agency, which is like, it's not that common. I feel like that you get to work with those types of people that closely if you work at a, at an agency. And so, um, I was trying to figure out how to like maneuver my way into that. And it just, my company wasn't having it. They were kind of like, no, you're too valuable in this role. We don't want you to venture out. And they didn't really have anybody who had the, the mesh of the skill set that I had, like the creative, where I knew how to talk to all the other creative people and I understood their language, but I also could do the analytical side and understand their language, right? So I felt a little pigeonholed. So then I started to kind of branch out outside of work and do like group shows and get back into like painting with people who were not my colleagues. And that just opened up a whole different can of worms and doors and everything. So that is kind of how that happened. So after I started doing group shows, I was meeting like curators um, and like in New York, there are just so many different levels to like what a curator is right and like what what a group show is like they they're not all like big and large and fancy like there's just there's kind of a fluidity of like okay you could do this small show at like a coffee shop with a couple of friends or you could do a really big show where it's like 800 people show up and you know people come and buy your work so I was in the middle of like a mix of that and I think it was it was great for me because I just met so many people and then the one show that I did a lot of people are familiar with raw artists and I did a show with them in Queens which was one of those bigger shows it's a little bit tricky for people because you have to like sell tickets to get in and whatever but it turned out to be a really good experience for me and I met so many people and then they also offer you the chance to do another show without like without paying for anything and so I applied to a few different areas and me the type of person I am and like just loving to travel and things I was like I'm gonna apply to shows like in a place that I wouldn't normally go like I can figure out how to get a show in like Atlanta or LA or like whatever so I'm gonna apply to some other places and I ended up getting into a show in Montreal and a show in Sydney Australia and then I had to choose (laughs) and I was like I'm going to Australia like let's just let's do it and um that was the moment for me that it clicked that like oh I should actually think about this more consider it more and take it more seriously because it was just a confidence boost to be like yeah I got into a show in Australia yeah that's great so at that point I was I was I was ready to make a change in my corporate life so I had no problem going to my job and being like hey I need two weeks off don't talk to me. (laughs) Like I'm going to go, you know, travel the world. And like, I'm not going to go all the way to Australia without going to go see something else on that side of the world too. So I was like, I'm going to go to New Zealand and hang out and then I'm going to go do the show and then I'll come back. (laughs) Like I made a whole thing out of it, which I'm really glad I did that. It just gave me some time to like reflect and figure out like um, how I wanted art to play a part in my life. And yeah, so when I came back, I was so full right? Of just like possibility. And like, I I don't even know how old I was at that time. I must've been like maybe 25, 24, 25, somewhere in there. Maybe I was 25. Yeah. So I I just, I knew that if I made the right move, a lot more could come of, of this. And I was like, I can get that again. Like that feeling that I had, I can do that. And, um, that's pretty much what pushed me. Like, I think I stayed at my job another year after that. And um, I decided that like, I just needed a creative break. Like I was like, all right, I need something to get my creativity going again. Um, I have to leave this job, even though it pays well, even though like, I don't know what else I'm gonna do in New York, (laughs) but I gotta figure it out. And then having that time, at first I thought this is just a break. Like I'll do like three months, figure some stuff out, take a show pill. And um, I started volunteering. Like I just reached out to some places to volunteer, to put up art or lend a hand to some other artists. And I ended up volunteering for the, Uh, New York City mural arts uh, program and once they I think I volunteered maybe two different times at two different locations and they're like oh like you're actually like an artist like you're like we could use more people on our team so they ended up hiring me just based off that volunteer opportunity and so then I ended up just on like really lengthy projects and working with teams more consistently and being yeah a production assistant 
and a studio manager. And once I started doing that and I was like, wait, I can actually pay my bills, guys, like with art money. This is great. This is really awesome. Like I can do this. This is awesome. So another point of realization, right? And then I just kind of, I I did that for a while. And then I was getting phone calls from Pittsburgh back home. Like you keep putting all these murals up in Brooklyn and Harlem. Where's our Pittsburgh stuff? And I was like, okay. All right, so here we go. (laughs) And so at that point, I started looking at some opportunities in Pittsburgh. I knew from like years before that, I had a tiny light that went off in my brain. I was like, you should paint a basketball court. And at that time, I was like, I don't even know where to start with that. But I mean, I made some calls and I made some connections, but nothing came of it. And so when that started happening, I was like, okay, maybe it's time to revisit whatever that is. And I promise you, I just Googled like basketball court renovations in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the first one that came up was the court in my backyard, like in my neighborhood that I grew up in. And I was like, this is a sign. All right, we're doing it. And that's how I ended up back in Pittsburgh. I was doing this whole back and forth thing between New York and Pittsburgh, trying to like set up that whole project and get funding and whatever. And I got to a point where I was like, I need to be in people's spaces to get this money to like better my community. And I came back, did the project, traveled a little bit more, took a nice little break. And then as soon as I got back from traveling, I got a residency opportunity in Pittsburgh with Urban Con Institute. And then COVID was right directly after that. And I was like, okay, so I didn't have to make really any decisions. <laughs> They were all kind of made for me in that in that sense. So one thing led to another, and then it was kind of a snowball effect. Like after I did that project, people knew I was back. It was like the opportunities kind of started to fall in my lap more than I had to chase them. That's amazing. Also, I just wanted to, for our listeners, uh, where is that basketball court or what's your neighborhood? Yes, the basketball court is in Belsuver. That is... Um, on the south side it's near Mount Washington that's how most people would refer to like the general area Um, but it's McKinley Park it's Top Park which is on Delmont Avenue Um, a lot of people get confused because there is a McKinley Park that is Bottom Park and it is not down there (laughs) but if you ever want to check it out in Pittsburgh it's 900 Delmont Ave that's the address to find it that's where the basketball court is Yes. That you painted? Correct. Cool. And the project name was the Home Court Advantage Project. So if you Google that, you should be able to find it. Great. I, I got to go check it out. Taryna, I know you have, uh, I know you've got follow-ups. One of the things that the basketball court brings up is a sense of um, art and, and community and art and, and um, justice work and activism. Um, and I know that's really important to you. Could you talk about how that, how that activism um, plays a role in your artistic practice and as you, as a Pittsburgher? Absolutely. So the number one thing for that project in particular was the community piece. I think it was really just like a bonus that it was in my neighborhood, which is predominantly Black. And it was a place I grew up where like, I still have so many community ties, family ties. Like that is a place, Belsuver is a place where like, you know, when you walk around, people ask who your family is because they know your mom and your grandma and your granddad, like, you know, it's that type of place. So very tight knit community. And also one of the reasons I named the piece, the Home Court Advantage project was because um, kind of the idea of uh, just equity and access, like usually that type of neighborhood would not receive such a grand gift And especially not first, like we wouldn't be the first ones on the list to get something that we felt like we were proud of or were just amazed by. Um, And I wanted to give that to us. So just a little bit of context, art basketball courts had been trending at the time. They still are um, in a lot of different cities, but Pittsburgh did not have one yet. And so this was kind of a historical moment because not only were we getting the first 
art basketball court in the city, but it was painted in a black neighborhood by a little black girl. Um, and I thought that was like, like what, I think someone in my circle had to like say that out loud to me before I like realized the magnitude. Like, I just was like, I just want to paint the court in my home. Like in my childhood neighborhood, it's going to be so awesome. Um, but when they brought that full circle for me, I was like, you're absolutely right. Like sometimes we get a little wrapped up in like the day to day and like what we're just trying to accomplish in that moment and don't appreciate the progress that we're actually making and what that's going to mean for everybody else. So a lot of what I do around uh, community representation, making sure that Black artists can take up space and have room to create things like out of joy. Uh, that is a huge part of, of what I do. And sometimes it can be as simple as like showing kids that you can be an artist as a profession, right? Because you just don't see a whole lot of successful artists or people don't understand how the art world works. <laughs> and then there's also like the idea that every time we make something it has to be something profound which I you know I feel that pressure in the work that I do every day but at the same time I think we should work toward like showing people especially Black artists and Black youth that just existing as who you are is rebellion in itself right like just creating from whatever place you want to make something from is enough um, and so you know I have made a lot of strong political activism type of pieces when I felt compelled to, or like it was really heavy on me that I needed to make something. But I have to balance that with like making other things that just make me really happy. Um, so I think that's an important part of the activism that people miss sometimes is like, where does the joy come from? How do you, how do you keep your, your fire lit? Yeah, it's one of the things I think about to um, like balancing that out. We talk a lot about intergenerational trauma and I'm always talking about like, well, there's intergenerational joy too. There's inter intergenerational love. Like we don't have to always be bleeding in order to be valid or to have our point <laughs> across. Like we can actually celebrate that black joy as well. Then um, when you were talking about Beltsuber, it made me think, because I have family from Beltsuber, and whenever I see someone from Beltsuber, they're just like, this was a Beltsuber, I'm like, I didn't, but my family did. Okay, well, you're still from Beltsuber, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, it's like, you're from Beltsuber, if you never lived, because you have family from Beltsuber. <laughs> That's definitely how we roll. Yes, <laughs> that is it, yeah. Um, but I was wondering, too, because you were talking about, um, this amazing home court advantage project and for a lot of artists how to negotiate something like that like because you have to deal with so many different factors um, whether it's foundations or community design people or like so how did you know like you have an idea but how do you actually implement it and how do you how like what advice would you give an artist to never done anything like this um how to go about doing a mural or, some, or a public art project if you just never tried and you, didn't, and you don't know how? I think I'll work backwards in this question. Um, my advice to artists usually who like want to get into something like this, I always say there is nothing wrong with um, like shadowing somebody who is working on a project first um, or I guess getting involved in that way, being on a team of people so that you can kind of see the inner workings of like how things go, um, the general flow of things and how to navigate working with different people from different organizations. But uh, for me, I think this is why it's so important to understand that your path is not linear because as bad as I was like, ah, I just, I want to get out of my agency. And like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like every single thing that I learned working at my agency for five years, I used it to pitch and market my idea. I knew how to put a budget together for the idea. I um, knew what the visuals needed to look like. Like I knew what type of information I needed to present. I understood my audience like by setting up conference calls and talking to them about what they needed or what what would make their life easier, kind of like what could be mutually beneficial. Um, I had to understand all those things in order to put a presentation together. 
that said, I'm proposing this idea. This is why it's a good idea. And I know you have the money <laughs> somewhere. Um, and then I had to seek out resources for all the stuff that I didn't know, right? Like I was like, okay, I need a fiscal sponsor. What am I supposed to do about that? I don't know. Who can I ask? Okay, I'll ask these three people. Somebody's going to have an answer. Um, just like you just have to be resourceful. If like, if there's something you know you might not be great at, find somebody who is great at it. Um, I feel like there are plenty of people who are willing to help if you just ask. And so there were a lot of things I was very confident about um, as far as like getting my idea out there and showing the type of process that I wanted to have. It definitely helped that I was like genuine and authentic and like, I wanna do this for my community and like having them engaged in the process, right? Like I didn't want a situation where I just walked in like, okay, I have this idea, here's the design. No one gets to say yes or no, like just pitch it. Like I didn't want that situation. I engaged with my community for probably, probably like two months of joining meetings and having conference calls, um, all kinds of stuff to get their input. And then I had them vote on like colors and a design. Like I was really, really wanted them to be involved because my theory was if you feel invested in the process, you will also feel some sort of obligation to protect this piece that is also yours as much as it is mine. And that was really important for me to get across. So because I had done all this work, in addition to like making a presentation that looked nice, right? Like aesthetically pleasing. There was also like, hey, I have the support of all these people um, who are interested in this and we really wanna get this done. How do we make it happen? I was used to working with, how do I say? Um, well, people who are perceived to have a lot of power. <laughs> whether they do or not, people who are perceived to have a lot of power and who uh, think they know a lot and think that you don't know anything. I understood how to navigate that and take it on the chin, just being in public relations and working with a lot of big wig clients, having that defense up of like everything just, I just have to figure out a way to get through the day and get this point across without uh, taking anything too personally through the process. Like, yeah, there are going to be some things that are like mansplained to you. There are going to be some people who don't believe you know what you're doing. Like you got to work through all that and just know in yourself that like either you know exactly what you're doing or you're able to pull somebody else in and say, yes, I have backup on this. This is someone who's done this before. This is someone who's worked with these people before, X, Y, Z. Unfortunately for women, a lot of times it we have to, we feel that we have to have like a male presence to like enter a room in a certain way, right? So um, I had never done a basketball court before. I never did an asphalt mural before. But what I did was I had a contact from uh, Project Backboard. A lot of people may have heard of that. They did basketball courts everywhere um, across the nation with different artists. And the founder, Dan, he was pretty much my mentor through the whole beginning part of the process. And he was like, hey, if you ever need me to be on any calls with you, just say the word, I, I like, I'll, I'll be on. And I'm like, okay, great. So me being able to tell them when they, like the city and DPW and whoever else, like who thought I didn't know what I was talking about, I could, I could just reference like, oh yes, I'm working with Dan. He's done 30 courts. <laughs> He's very familiar with like the materials and the process and he, you know, he's my point person. Like that makes them feel more comfortable and it makes me look more qualified. So that's just how I navigated some of that stuff. And I, I, I want people to understand how important it is to have a good presentation as far as like showing people your work, because I pretty much got funding based on like, oh, we saw your idea at the art commission, looks awesome, you have community support, we would love to help you get funding. Um, if you don't have a succinct, clear plan and you're not confident in that, I'm not sure that that happens the same. Uh, another piece that is very visible and had a huge impact on the city was the Summer's Allegheny Overlook mural, which really kind of, for people who don't know, um, Pittsburgh has three rivers and the Allegheny Overlook was a temporary public art space that overlooked the Allegheny River, hence the name Allegheny Overlook. And it was actually on a very busy street. <laughs> 
Forty Cane Boulevard, which kind of traverses the convention center to Forty Cane Bridge, and also there's the uh, Three Sisters Bridges, Sixth, Seventh, and Ninth Street Bridges that are also right there. So I uh, only it felt like it, it became such a huge part of the summer life of the city, especially with the kind of vaccine summer where people are vaccinated and able to be out in public. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, the process of creating that mural and what it felt like to have it be the literal foundation <laughs> for so much art and joy and, and, and togetherness happening um, after a year and a half of not being together? Yeah, that honestly, I think, is my favorite project to date. It, it was so fun to come up with the concept and to see people interact with the work and actually enjoy it was like really, really rewarding. So the process for that piece, um, I was approached to, as, as an invitee, uh, to submit a proposal for this really large avenue worth <laughs> of asphalt. And um, I did a couple site visits to kind of just like check it out and like really understand the, the ask because it's such a large space and like trying to put together in my mind like what they wanted it to be as far as like the functionality, right? So um, like you said, it's like a pop-up park overlooking, you know, the beautiful city and the river, but it's also like, okay, understanding, all right, there's going to be a stage, there's going to be music, there are going to be food vendors on top of my work, there are going to be like tables, chairs, benches, all of that, there's going to be people walking on it, like, to, you just got to like take all of that into the context when you're designing anything like that. So that was a fun challenge for me. And it also, I think, allowed me to loosen up a little bit in the same way that I was talking about earlier, right? Like, it doesn't have to be a certain type of profound. Like, this is not something you can, like, expect somebody to paint a portrait on. This is not a space that you could expect, like, intricate detail. Like, this was like, how do you invoke an emotion for people to have a good time? Like, that's what I was trying to do. And I wanted people to be happy to be outside and be joyful. And I was able to accomplish that with like a very simple theory with like my color palette, which I was very intentional about. And like how I chose to um, kind of put together the shapes that I use. Like I use a lot of geometric inspiration in my pieces. And what I ended up doing was I love triangles for whatever reason and it, it just happens to kind of be symbolic for like a lot of things and one of those is like the three rivers and I wanted to use triangles to make this like zigzag type of path that led up to the stage so like subconsciously making people want to walk in a certain direction and then have like these experiences as they were doing that. So that was kind of like the design process for me as far as how I thought about the project. And then once I really got into it and I like knew that um, my proposal had been accepted, I was like, I have to put together like a killer team for this. And how am I going to do that? And then I was like, I'm going to just make a team of all women. And like, we're just going to be badass. Like, that's just what we're going to have to do. And that's what I did. And it was the best decision. It was amazing. My team was like really great. I always see stuff like that as an opportunity to work with people who you like maybe you want to build a better relationship with or maybe you've never worked with them before um, or just like people you can also learn from. Like I'm all for like lateral networking and working together in that kind of sense. Like how can I make you better and you make me better at the same time on a project no matter who the lead is. Um, so it was just like a fun, it was a really fun experience and it was um, sponsored by uh, PDP, uh, Pittsburgh Downtown Partnership and the Cultural Trust and um, PDP in particular, I've worked with them on other projects and they just really take care of their artists. So I, I always love working with them. Like they're great. Janelle, I just wanted to, on the following on that, um, and you've, you've done big projects, you've been in a lot of places and I just wonder what, what do you think is the next public art project that Pittsburgh really needs right now? Oh my gosh. Well, they need to do Allegheny Overlook every year, first of all. <laughs> 
That makes sense. Um, it's really cool. I mean, I actually, I wasn't there at the fest, but I was down there um, last week, one day when it was very quiet, hardly anyone around. And it was just really cool to see like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to, to see something new there every year, just a new commission. Yes. I, I think I, I complain a lot that Pittsburgh is too gray. Like we just need color everywhere. So it's hard to say like what the next project should be, but generally I think we have been trending in the right direction, but like we need more permanent art too. Like we have so many public art projects that are like, okay, it's here for three months. Okay. It's here for six months. And it's like, it's not even long enough. We (laughs) like, we need permanent art projects. So that's kind of my general, my general thoughts. I have a question since we are, we were um, inspired to talk to you because of the Westmoreland um, residency and Boom Concepts. Could you talk a little bit about your um, introduction to Boom Concepts and Westmoreland and kind of what are your thoughts around what the residency could be and what you're excited about? So uh, my introduction to Boom, it kind of, um, it's pretty serendipitous because I was still living in New York at the time. And I think D.S. Kinzel had come to Brooklyn to do a show, um, part of a, a kind of a vending opportunity slash art show that a friend of mine had put together. And Uh, She is from Pittsburgh, but was living in New York at the time, Jackie, and um, she invited me to this thing. And I was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, it's like a lot of Pittsburgh people were coming up. So um, it was exciting to kind of hang out. And I, at that time, I was not a full-time artist yet. And I think I had introduced myself to DS and like gave him my card. And I was asking him about residencies at that time because I didn't really, I wasn't super educated on like how they worked or what they were. And I laugh about it now because he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like whatever, like this girl, she's, I don't know who this is. Um, Kind of, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'll talk to you about it, but I don't know you. And that was like my first, first introduction, but then a couple years later, I was looking for a place to do my solo show in Pittsburgh. And I looked at Boom as an option for that. And so I kind of got a chance to just talk to the folks there. I didn't end up doing my show there, but it did open just some doors um, to have conversations. And then once I moved back to Pittsburgh, I had been pretty intentional about setting up just coffee dates and tea dates and stuff with with folks around the city to network a little bit. I didn't want to be, well, I wanted a community in the art world, but I also didn't want to be like that artist who came back from New York and was like, oh, I did this in New York. I don't need anything. Like, you know, I didn't want to be that, like perceived as that person. So um, I think I had a couple meetings maybe with like, Thomas and just a couple folks from Boom and you know just tried to go out and support events that they had things like that like with with anybody and just around the city but also including Boom and so yeah we just kind of formed a a cordial relationship and like professional relationship in that way and then um, I think I guess I was two years ago you know you guys know that the past three years are really the same year right like the time doesn't really exist. <laughs> uh, so a couple of years ago for uh, for the Barrel and Flow Fest, uh, Boom asked me to live paint as one of their curated painters for the festival. And that was really, really fun. Um, so that was, I think, the beginning of our like professional relationship was, was through that. But even throughout like the past couple of years, they've definitely just like looked out for me, um, sent opportunities my way or asked me if I was interested in different things, made introductions for me, stuff like that. So just supportive. Um, and then uh, DS reached out to me about uh, the Westmoreland County um, opportunity or Westmoreland Museum opportunity. And uh, the folks from the museum actually came to the city. It's funny because I get a lot of people who ask me like, oh, like, can we do a studio visit? And I'm like, guys, all my work is outside. Like, I don't, have, <laughs> there's nothing in my studio. Like, it's just paint. Like, there's nothing in there to see. So the, they came to the city and we did uh, a mural tour 
downtown just so they could see like the work that I'd done and talk about it and they could tell me about the opportunity so that was really cool and then I did a site visit at the museum where they showed me around and the thing that excites me the most is that it's not a uh, production driven opportunity right so for the audience when you sign up usually as an artist to do anything that's gonna benefit you (laughs) (laughs) for whatever like whether it's like a stipend or it's like a free studio or whatever the case is usually people are expecting you to create something whether that's a piece or like a series or whatever but this seems like really an opportunity to dig into your practice however you feel like is necessary for you to make the connections that you want to make so it's kind of a unique opportunity in that way And then there's also like public art opportunities um, in Greensburg that um, are technically separate from the residency, but are kind of working in conjunction with the residency. So, you know, things are not final yet. So I don't know how long the program will be and things like that, but it's definitely an exciting opportunity to know that people are thinking about it in that way now. One of the things that I really find interesting, I'm I'm an older older person, but a young artist and I haven't been doing it that long. And the first time someone asked for a studio visit, I didn't even know what they were talking about. That's how much of a novice I was. I'm like, you want to see my studio? And I really didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know what to do. So could you talk a bit about like, what is a studio visit? What is the, like, what, 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 what is a mural tour? Like, what do you do when someone says, we want to see your artwork and we want to know about your practice? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean... I have never done a studio visit either for that matter, but my understanding is um, people come in to see your work, whether it's like a work in progress or, you know, it could be finished work, unfinished work, what have you, maybe it's something that you plan on putting in a show. Um, I also think sometimes there is room for like feedback, critique, conversation around the concepts, things like that. So really just like being vulnerable and sharing your work with somebody um, in a way that hasn't been publicly presented yet. So for me, it was a little bit different because for the mural tour, everything was already completed, but I still, um, you know, was able to talk about the process for each piece that I had done and like what the inspiration behind it was, where the concepts came from and things like that. So for the mural tour, how we ended up landing on that was actually because I was supposed to have an artist talk with PDP um, to really talk about the Allegheny Overlook, right? But I had like five or six murals downtown and they were like, why don't you just do like a walk and talk? Because people are going to want to see more of your work. And I was like, that's a really interesting idea. And then we ended it at the Allegheny Overlook where people could like enjoy music and drinks and food so the concept came from like something that was already happening but I thought we might want to make it more intimate and just do a private one for just us and that's what we did so it was like four of us and just you know walking to each piece uh getting our 10,000 steps in for the day (laughs) and um just talking about uh like the community engagement for each piece like how is it different um how the process went working with different organizations uh, what was the promotion like after the project was done what types of things do I wish I could have done that didn't get done all that kind of stuff was kind of discussed and just like helping them understand my approach to artwork and public art and um, my general thoughts feelings emotions around how it should go I love the idea of a city full of art where we could just take a tour with the artist and walk around and end up standing in their artwork having drinks and eating food and dancing like that to me is just that's the world I want to live in I want more of that (laughs) yeah I mean I remember after that idea was proposed to me I was like kind of in shock a little still I was like wait I have enough pieces to like do a tour like that seems crazy like you know, like trying to make the little flyer that like had the list of all the places to go. And I was like, wow, like I really, I really do have a lot of work downtown. That's pretty awesome. 
So, you know, sometimes you surprise yourself, stuff like that, but it was, it was really so much fun. Yeah. I, that's great. And I think there's so much room for more of that. I mean, you know, like you're saying with, there's just needing more color and there's so many surfaces and you can put way many more and still have plenty of plain surfaces around for people that like that too. So that's great. Yeah, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I may have a library or your library card. Yes. When I got, because there's an update of library cards, because I guess it's the anniversary of the library, 125 years? Yep, that's right. The 125 years. Mm-hmm, it's 100, 125 years for the like original location. Um, and yeah, part of being approached for that, I think, was also a tie to Boone Concepts. Um, they kind of gave me a heads up that uh, there was an interest for it. And um, that project was really fun, too. And like, I love like you, you have no idea, like how many people I've never met before, like when they meet me, they're like, wait, I think I have your library card and like pull it out their wallet. I'm like, oh, my God, you're amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, That's too funny. But yeah, that that was like that was a really cool and fun project to do, especially uh, people who know me, they probably also know my mom and she is a reading specialist. Um, and so, you know, my whole life growing up, like I loved to read and dive into books and I spent a lot of time at the libraries. So it was just like it's just a, a cool project to be a part of, like and have a personal connection. And then like other people really loving the card that, that, that I came up with so yeah I, it was funny because I was out of the country for a few months and I came back and I went to the library and I saw um you get a new library card I was like oh I, I, I want to get a new library card and they're like well, what's design I'm looking I'm like I think I gotta get the Afro Cup girl because that was me at the library when I was little and so so I have the big card in my wallet but I have a little a little one with like the chain link and I put that on my Telfar bag so I have a little Telfar oh, so and I got my Janelle hanging off of it like hello I feel very special <laughs> <laughs> and I always do it to make sure you can see the apple puff girl like you see the apple puff girl <laughs> Oh, that's so amazing. Oh man. Yeah. I will yeah. send a picture. I will put I will put a picture. I'll fact, I'll even put it on Instagram to make it really real. <laughs> I feel like um we're almost getting to our, our final question. Terrene, you, you got it on tap? Because this our podcast is about um eliminating borders and barriers. Um we're curious to know what borders or barriers have you encountered and had to overcome? And opposite of that, what bridges have you encountered that made a path easier or a bridge that you maybe had to build for yourself? Good question, hard to answer. Okay, let's think. I mean, my initial reaction to the question was that a lot of times, um, just being a Black woman in the art space feels very much like a barrier. It, it sometimes can feel like there are just hoops that need to be jumped through and walls that need to be jumped over, um, and it feels a little unnecessary. But I do my very best to build bridges for other Black and Brown artists to get over that border and that wall, pulling people in on my team or just even it could be something as small as like forwarding opportunities I think would be good for them to get their name out there, um, referring people, any sense of like mentorship. I think a lot about, you know, like J. Cole's song, like the middle child, like that's me right now. Like I'm in the middle of like the emerging and the established, like I'm kind of like, that's the, that's the border that I'm on right now. (laughs) So I have to kind of be open to both like pulling people in and also reaching out for for help um for the next level i feel like there's just so many directions i could go with this this question but that was my initial thought my main concern right now i think is building bridges that allow like women artists and black artists to like take up space like murals and public art i love because they're like accessible to the public, usually for free. It's a great way to like impact people without physical presence, but I don't feel like enough of us get 
those types of opportunities. So those are the bridges that I'm really interested in building right now. And then just having like the discernment of like what people I should also be working with outside of like maybe what I would consider my community that like really just makes sense for everybody, right? Like sometimes you can get stuck in this whole bubble of being like, like the only, like working with Black artists is not the only way to help Black artists, if that makes sense. Like that's kind of something that I think we come up against. I'm sure in like an hour, I will think of 12 other answers to this question, but I think that's, I think that's good for now. <laughs> that is great. It's really great. Yeah. And I think it's something that you said, like there's so many bridges and so many walls and we're always navigating and negotiating both things, maybe at the same time. Are there any questions that we didn't ask or anything that um, we didn't bring up that you want to talk about that we left out or Anything upcoming that people could look out for before the end of the year that might be a new art project or new artwork unveiling or anything that you want to share? I actually really appreciate that you didn't immediately ask me what was next because that's actually one of my pet peeves because sometimes you're like, have I not done enough? Like, The next thing is be laying on the beach, okay? <laughs> right. Like, oh my goodness. Um, but that being said, I actually do have a project co- coming up that I'm excited about. Um, I was chosen as one of the artists in the series for creating posters for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Wow, that's so- yeah, so um working on my design now and the game that it'll be presented at will be in December against the Ravens. So cool, because we hate the Ravens. That's going to be good. <laughs> so, yeah, that is like the next project I'm super excited about. Um, but also, really looking forward to like the holiday season and taking some time off because I had a really crazy, crazy summer. Yeah. Um, it's, it hasn't hasn't quite slowed down so (laughs) so yeah yeah well and as we know the Westmoreland what however that pans out that will be a a a time without the pressure to create something new it's up to you so yeah and it's next year so you know it just yeah it's nice to it's nice to know that there's something like brewing but at the same time it's not like a pressure to jump on anything at the very moment so mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a delicate balance but um other than that I would just say you know where people can find me I know a lot of people ask like where can they see my work and things like that so um I I'm, I'm most active on Instagram so my Instagram is at jy.originals and um yeah you can Find me on there, stalk me on there, DM me, <laughs> scroll, whatever you got to do. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I really appreciate this conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, it's just so thrilling to see your, um, your growth and development and seeing all your artwork. And hopefully we'll just have a whole city full of CY originals all over. Bring some color to this gray city. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. And that was the Other Border Wall podcast. Thank you for listening. We look forward to the next time we all meet. Stay tuned for more every two weeks. Thank you.